Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Institute for Policy Innovation podcast. We're coming to you today from the studios of Salem Media Group in Dallas, Texas. I'm Tom Giovanetti, the president of the Institute for Policy Innovation. Today is December 1st, 2022, and I'm joined again today by IPI resident scholar, Dr. Merrill Matthews. And Dr. Matthews, uh, we've talked before about the idea of uh presidential removal by political parties, Mm -hmm. by, you know, whether or not the Democrats would want to try to discourage Joe Biden from running for reelection. But today we want to look at an interesting sort of contrast about could the 25th Amendment be used to keep Joe Biden from running for reelection? And could the 14th Amendment be used to keep former President Donald Trump from running (laughs) for reelection? So we've got a couple of uh, a couple of amendments that are in play and a couple of presidential candidates that might not be the preferred candidate by their parties. Yeah, it's it's bizarre because we face the possibility of both Joe Biden being the Democratic presidential nominee in 2024 and Donald Trump being the Republican presidential mm-hmm. nominee in 2024. And no one seems to be happy about that yeah. <laughs> because both sides think if if the Democrats seem to think if we have Joe Biden running, we're likely to lose to any Republican who still has any breath. And if... Um, and many Republicans say if, if Donald Trump runs again, given all his problems and the baggage he has, he's liable to lose again to a Democrat. And we should point out that because because the Democrats outperformed expectations at mm-hmm. the midterm, mm-hmm. no one right now is talking about Joe Biden being a liability. Right. But, it, you know, it's just a temporary reprieve. Yeah. yeah you it's, know, it's coming back. I mean, literally, literally last night. Uh, he gave a speech, and then when the speech was over, he just turned and started just walking off with the microphone. And this has been one of the problems, is it? Uh, we've seen this many times. Now, you and I have to speak every now and then, mm. and occasionally when you, you finish up, you kind of look around and think, well, which way am I supposed yeah, to go? Am I supposed to exit yeah, yeah, the stage yeah, yeah, here yeah, yeah. or what? But his his uh, is he's he tends to sort of just kind of turn around and wander off somewhere where somebody comes over then and takes his arm and kind of guides him back. and. Anybody who's been around seniors recognizes that that tendency there. Mm-hmm. So there's nothing unusual about it, and and he may he may improve, but it is raising red flags that Joe Biden is declining somewhat and may not be up to being able to run again in 2024. And going back to the temporary reprieve idea, I think most people, I think, have come to recognize that. The Democrat overperformance at the midterm was really Republican underperformance. Yes. And so the those same dynamics that were leading people to expect the Democrats to do poorly are still going to be there. Right. And and Joe Biden takes it, at least he claims that this is in part because of his good leadership. Right. right. And so when asked on the day after the election what he would do different. Nothing. Nothing. Exactly. Nothing. Right. I'm not doing anything different. Yeah. I'm, we're doing well right yeah, he now. Was, he was kind of triumphant. Right. Yeah. And so Democrats are in sort of a tough spot if they see a continuing decline and they think this is not a person who's going to be able to run for president again. Or if he is elected in 2024, he wouldn't be able to serve out four years. What do we do? Well, they don't want to remove him ideally because Kamala Harris becomes president. And the only person I think Democrats would prefer less being president than Joe Biden is Kamala Harris. And so you've got a they're facing a real problem. And so what do you do? And there is this question. There is a 25th Amendment removal process, but it requires the vice president and 
a majority of the what they call the leading officers, generally considered to be the cabinet, mm-hmm. to come together and decide that the president has, is not capable of serving and they need to be able to uh, take the president out for a while. Now, we had this discussion back during the— We should point out, by the way, that this has never happened. Right. The, this, this is a mechanism that has never in American history been— Utilized. Because the 25th Amendment is fairly recent. Yeah. And what happened, the reason it came about was that in the 1950s, uh, President Eisenhower had some health issues and some heart problems. And he and Richard Nixon had sort of worked, his vice president had worked out what would happen if uh, if uh, Eisenhower had to step down for a little bit of time or wasn't able to serve and so forth. And uh, so they had worked out a plan. But then after that, they said, and with the with the death of Kennedy, uh, assassination of John F. Kennedy, the issue was we need to have this a little clearer about what happens because John F. Kennedy died quickly. But what if he had been in the hospital right. and for days, weeks or months would Johnson be present or not? They don't really, it's not really clear. And so they wanted to work this out, and that's how you get the 25th Amendment. So it was an, an effort to try to be able to say, if something has happened to the president and we don't think he can serve, then here is how you um, remove him either permanently or temporarily and let the vice president step in. So this, and specifically for cases where a president was either Unwilling to cooperate in his own removal or incapable of cooperating. Incapacitated for some reason. And and they use parts of the 25th Amendment every now and then. If a a president's going in for surgery, colonoscopy, something like that, then they use – but that's sort of a temporary deal. This was if the president is really not able to serve anymore. There's a a section in the 25th Amendment which allows them to – the vice president with the majority of the cabinet, or you could have members of Congress do this, but – uh, they don't really have a way of doing that. So that was what it was uh, set up to do. And uh, and, and to prevent uh, situations such as happened when Reagan was shot, where you have like a, the Alexander sec- Secretary of State saying behind the microphone, I'm in charge. Yes. <laughs> yes. So it, it was an attempt to try to address a perceived need out there. And the question is, would Democrats use the 25th Amendment? And my own sense is it's unlikely that they would, uh, but it's not. It, it seems to me at least possible. I don't know if I'd say likely, but at least possible that if they saw a significant decline in Joe Biden and he still wants to run and if he wants to run, there's nobody who can really stop him. You just have to you'd have to beat him in the primary process. And that means voters would have to do it. You, you, would, you would almost think there would have to be something just very, very shocking publicly that would happen. Right. You know, I'm thinking back again on the midterms, thinking about like the the Fetterman-Oz debate Mm -hmm. where Fetterman stood there and said, I've always supported fracking. And of course, he was a huge opponent of fracking. And he wasn't changing his mind. He He just could not communicate. Right. He had trouble even saying that. Right. Exactly. Um, So it strikes me that for for a mechanism like the 25th Amendment to kick in, you know, a president would almost have to do something shocking in full view of the public. And so I think what would be a more likely scenario is that Democratic leaders would go to President Biden and say, we feel like this is a problem. We don't want to have to impose. We don't have to call up the 25th Amendment. So but we think we we will do that unless you decide not to run again. Mm -hmm. And so, in essence, using that as the 25th Amendment as leverage to keep him from running again so that he steps out and then you have a regular 
uh, race that goes on with people being able. Now, if they were going to do that, they would have to make that decision pretty soon. Biden has said that he's going to uh, that sometime in the beginning of 2023, he will sit down with the family and decide if they want to run. You would need to be able to let allow Democrats who want to run for president, give them plenty of time. So, you know, my sense is what by the middle of 2023, uh, fall of 2023, they would have to make that decision if they're mm-hmm. going to try to do it. I don't have any I I have no idea whether or not this is something that they would actually do, but I think it's at least possible. Sure, sure. Uh, you know, uh, unlikely, but possible. And as you point out, it might just be that the threat of it would be used rather than the actual mechanism itself. Just And of course, we've we had some discussion about the 25th Amendment during the Donald Trump time right. because Democrats started talking about that very early on. They were trying to press the, the notion that the president wasn't competent. Uh, you had a bunch of mental health professionals signing a document saying, I think it was 300 some odd, saying we don't think he's competent, he needs to step down. But there was no way that that Mike Pence was going to step up, I don't think, unless there was a real issue, um, he would step up and agree with yeah. all of this. I mean, so. we, we know because of memoirs uh, that there were people close to Trump who were concerned. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but that everyone seemed to see it as a manageable situation as opposed to a situation where you'd actually have to take drastic action. Right. And there's there's I mean, there's a, a difference between a person who is uh, who flip flops oftentimes is not reliable, uh, can be uh, very angry at times and be vengeful and so forth. And a person who is mentally constrained and a situation where if this person remains in office it's a threat to the country right you know which is really what it would ha- you'd really have to argue that it's a threat to national security mm-hmm. if this person remains in office um but you know you you're also talking about um the fact that uh Donald Trump was not just it was not just the 25th amendment that was bandied about regarding Donald Trump but now Donald Trump is facing the possibility of a 14th amendment right uh, bar from running from running for president. So tell us about that. And, and that's the that's the issue here where uh, Attorney General Merrick Garland, just two days after Donald Trump announced that he was running for president, stepped up and said he was going to appoint a special counsel to look into some of the allegations against Donald Trump with regard to him taking the um, documents and taking him to Mar-a-Lago, but also with regard to the January 6th uh, riot at the Capitol. And the question there is, could Merrick Garland decide to try to pull the 14th Amendment? The 14th Amendment has an insurrection provision in there, which essentially allows the attorney general to go after a a member of Congress, an official, any official, really, uh, and get them disqualified. It's called the disqualification clause to keep them from being able to serve or to run again. And that's where we think. Merrick Garland could conceivably try to bring up the 14th Amendment to disqualify Donald Trump from running again. So correct me if I'm wrong, but my understanding of this is that if if a politician, if well, not a politician, if anyone is convicted of this, this insurrection, they are automatically barred mm-hmm. from holding office. It's, right. it's not a separate step that has to be taken. They're automatically barred. Isn't that correct? Well, they it, it it's not entirely clear. Okay. So one of the things they were looking at doing was uh, during the uh, January hearings as the second impeachment trial was they were looking at trying to bring in the 14th Amendment to bar him from running again. But it's not entirely uh, Donald Trump, that is. Mm. But it's not entirely clear. And that's why the Congressional Research Service 
published a uh, paper on the 14th Amendment. They updated it in September of this year as they're as they're sort of working through this to ask, how does this work? And it's not clear with a president. You know, you, you're, you're, you're right, um, because I kept talking about conviction, but you've provided me here, you've provided us with the language here, and it says, no person shall hold any office who, having previously taken an oath to support the Constitution of the United States, shall have engaged in insurrection or rebellion. Right. So it doesn't say convicted of it. No. It says shall have engaged. So you could have a situation where you simply have a finding, I suppose, mm-hmm. You know, by Congress or something. Well, like that's that just it. When you look at the Congressional Research Service, they said it's not entirely clear who manages this and how you bring the yeah. charges. The last time this was used was back in, uh, I think, about 1919, 1918, something like that, where a member who was who was perceived to have given aid and comfort to Germany during the First World War um, was prohibited from taking his seat in Congress. Congress used that to keep him from taking the seat. Mm-hmm. He eventually was allowed to take his seat. So um, he was also considered to have some sympathy for socialism. <laughs> so <laughs> Just as the icing on the cake. It, it, we're, we're, we're working on really uncharted waters here when we, when we talk about the 14th Amendment. But conceivably, the attorney general could bring up the charge uh, and they might try to move forward with that. You know, um, you know that if this actually happened, it would probably end up going to the Supreme Court, mm-hmm. right, to interpret this. Um, but we, we should also, I think, point out the fact that in our system, there is a very high bar from disqualifying people from running for office. Right. I mean, we have many times had convicted felons hold office mm-hmm. and successfully run for reelection, even though they couldn't vote themselves. They couldn't even vote for themselves because they were convicted felon, but they could still be elected to office. Right. Uh, And so it's 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 not entirely clear. But because the issue has been was brought up with Donald Trump during uh, the 2021 transfer of power and with regard to the uh, riot at the Capitol and because Merrick Garland is appointing a special counsel to look into this again. Uh, it's at least possible that we could see the 14th Amendment issue arise. Sure. I don't think it's likely, but it's at least possible. So you would, um, you'd have to have, you couldn't just go on someone's opinion, though. I, I cannot imagine that you could trigger this with just like an opinion of the attorney general that Donald Trump had engaged in insurrection mm-hmm. or, or, an, or a, an opinion by the general counsel. It seems to me that you would either have to have him actually convicted in a criminal court. And, and that's the general, the um, Congressional Research Service, it pr- says is this probably follows the courts. Yeah. So that if a court says, yes, he did, he was convicted, of, we're convicting him of of engaging in insurrection, yeah. then they could use, then they could call it the process. And of course, if there was a conviction, then you're already in the judicial system. Mm-hmm. So it, it, even if it works its way up to the Supreme Court, you're already in the system. If it was some sort of a finding of Congress or a vote of Congress or something, of course, you would assume that Trump then would immediately sue. You mm-hmm. know, So it would still end up one way or the other, it would end up in the judicial system and it would end up at the Supreme Court. I think it one way ends up in, or the other ends up in the judicial system, but yeah. the fact the Attorney General is beginning to look into this at least raises the possibility. Sure. Now, we already have some of the January 6th rioters who have been convicted of insurrection. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's an easier case to prove if you have video of the guy smashing windows in, <laughs> sitting on Nancy <laughs> Pelosi's desk, you know, and things like that, than it is a president 
some distance away in a different building sitting at the dining room table. Right. This would be so, much harder, yeah, uh, much yeah. harder proof. Yeah. Uh, but needless to say, if nothing else, the fact that we're talking about this suggests we are in very <laughs> unusual times in this country. Yes, we are. Where you have a sitting president where we are discussing uh, whether the sitting president is actually qualified to hold the office and a former president who's running for re-election, who we are also discussing whether they are legally qualified from holding office. So these are interesting times. And, uh, you know, I think my overall thought on all of this is that surely we can do better. (laughs) Surely, surely in a country of 330 million people, we can do better than these two. We can hope. Well, we appreciate you listening to our podcast today. We invite you to visit our website at IPI.org and to sign up there if you'd like to receive notices of all of our new podcast episodes, new content, and upcoming events. If you've enjoyed this podcast, how about giving us a favorable review on iTunes or on your favorite podcast platform? Please also consider sponsoring these podcasts by becoming a member of IPI's Giving Society. Thank you for joining us, and we will see you next time.